When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 371 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I know that Robert Lewandowski's was announced, and don't you worry, we'll get to him later on in the week. That's on Thursday, but today it's all about Rafinha, and to help me discuss Barca's newest Brazilian forward, it's Oscar Marriott from All Leads TV. Thanks for joining me, Oscar. No problem at all, mate. Delighted to be coming on. Now, Oscar, I have heard that you're pretty big. Well, I had a bit, but you're telling me a pretty big Barca supporter as well as living there for some time. So the first question, finally, unless you want to say something about Lewandowski as a Barcelona supporter, please do. But the question I'm asking related to Rafinha is what was that emotional roller coaster personally for you of that transfer saga feel like? I mean, you know, not everybody has a team they root for than another team they might root for, but basically having your two favorite clubs kind of battling out and a number, you know, knowing that the higher that number gets for Leeds, it helps them. The higher that number gets for Barcelona, the more difficult it makes for them to make other business. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Dan. I have had a little bit of a stick in the last couple of weeks or so um, about this Rafinha um, thingy, obviously. Listen, I'm, I will, I'm a Leeds fan, first and foremost, but great admiration for Barcelona. So it's first and foremost, I'm sad to be seeing Rafinha leave as a Leeds United player because He's the best player I've seen in a Leeds United shirt by some distance, I'd say. I'm talking some distance here. Um, and obviously Barcelona, from a, with my Barcelona hat on, I think it's a fantastic signing. I think it's an amazing signing. Um, I think he's someone who will look at in terms of personality on top of anything who feels like a perfect Barcelona player. You know, you look at people like Daniel, there's Neymar when he was a Barcelona player, Ronaldinho. Um, 
it's that kind of that Brazilian, I wouldn't say arrogance, but just complete confidence in their own ability. And I think with Rafinha even more than kind of Ronaldinho and Neymar, this is complete dedication to his craft kind of thing. He's improved after every single game at Leeds United. He's just getting better and better and better. And you see the work he puts in on training, you look at his physique, you know, now compared to when he first signed for Leeds. I think it's always been pretty clear that since he signed for us, his ambition has been to be one of the best footballers in the world. You know, I've spoken to people at Leeds who have literally said that to me, you know, within two or three months of getting to Leeds. This is the level of ambition I'm talking about. And in terms of work rate desire, there's no question that he's got enough of that to help him along the way. And this is a big, big statement to say, can he be one of the best players in the world? But it won't be for the one to try. And there's absolutely no question about that. But um, so, yeah, I'll be honest, I'm gutted to see him leave Leeds United. But I think for Barcelona, it's a good signing. I'm glad he's come to Barcelona and not gone to a Chelsea or an Arsenal. And he's not going to be playing against us. Mm-hmm. I just think for Rafinha as well, you know, it's very clear with most Brazilian footballers, South American footballers, that Barcelona or that other club um, is always going to be the dream uh, in terms of moving to Spain. You know, the culture, the it's just the prestige of both clubs, in all honesty. And I'm glad Rafinha's gone to Barcelona and not to... Uh, Real Madrid, um, that's that's the thing for me, because there was a bit of a rumour going around that if we had stayed beyond this summer and after the World Cup, Real Madrid might have got involved, especially if he did well for Brazil at the World Cup. So I'm glad Barcelona got it tied and it's done and dusted and for everyone, we can now move on with it. Well, yeah, I'm glad that he didn't look at himself in the mirror with that all-white kit and say, hey, this this looks pretty good. Let's see what else we can do in this kit or this, this, this colour scheme. So thankfully he decided to say, no, I'm going to, just cover myself the red and the blue and the, the claret. Okay, so before he gets the lead, though, or Barcelona, I want to go back before that. So he has taken, as far as a Brazilian superstar, if you will, a, a rather, he's just 25, so this is unfair to him to call him some kind of late bloomer or whatever it is, but just as far as the global recognition of this player really coming to his own in this last season. So he starts his career moving from local Brazilian side of BFC, which is not one of the giants. It's not Vasco da Gama. It's not Corinthians. It's not Sao Paulo. It's not Santos. It's none of those. It's just its own small club that barely plays in the first division. If it has in its time periodically. So the chance I'm even pronouncing the name wrong, that's how small of a Brazilian club it is. And then he moves to Gamaris's B team in 2016. So he's not even scouted for a Portuguese first division, A team. he's actually brought in for their B team at what is the age of right around 18, 19 years old. So then after a move to sporting CP in 2018, a move to Rennes in France in 2019. So a quick turnaround and then a move to Leeds in 2020. So jumping from the Portuguese division to the French division, to the English Premier League, where the then 23-year-old, so now he's 23, signing for Leeds, that's where he really took his career to the next level, as you said. And, you know, as I said, it's not the regular big money move for a teenager for one of the Brazilian powerhouses, kind of working his way up through. And so the question for you, and you can kind of go wherever you want with this answer, how do you think these smaller jumps, if you will, you know, from, from league to league and year to year in club prestige have prepared him for the big show, as opposed to a player almost very opposite in Gabriel Jesus, who moved right to City as a teenager because Gabriel Jesus and Rafinha, they're both 25 Brazilians. They're both very similar. They're both basically on the same level talent-wise at this juncture in their careers. But again, the paths are radically different where one of them, that being Jesus, has all the attention in the world on him, winning Premier Leagues and Champions League final, yada, yada, yada. And then again, you have Rafinha, who is, other than making news by fighting relegation in the Premier League, it's the first time that really the global audience is getting to know him. 
Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. You know, I think when I look at, since I've been watching Barcelona, I think it's always been built around a South American superstar, you know, the good Barcelona teams. You know, we're talking about the good ones here, you know, Armand, Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldinho, Neymar when he came. Yeah, I know it was Messi, but it really kind of like transformed the MSN era, the Luis Enrique era and that lot when then, when obviously he got the performances out of Neymar and they all took very, very different paths to Rafinha in that kind of sense. And, that, and it would be very churlish of me to say that Rafinha's on the same level of natural talent as those players. Um, what I will say is that having had to really, really work hard for his career, you see in terms of his intensity as a player. And you're almost like a Sadio Mane in terms of intensity. You know, obviously Mane's had a quite a strange like kind of career up until joining Liverpool. And I compare it a little bit to that really in terms of he's gone kind of like Leipzig, Southampton, that kind of jump. And then suddenly Southampton to Liverpool, similar, to, I suppose, to what Rafinha's doing. Although I'd say Leeds United in English football terms are a much bigger club than Southampton. And in terms of the pressure, the pressure's pretty big at Leeds. You know, one club city... It is a bit of like a goldfish bowl at Leeds kind of thing. It is like Leeds is a football mad city kind of thing. So we, in terms of the atmosphere we create, it, you know, we're not even biased to say, but we are consistently seen as like one of the most vocal, hostile um, away grounds to go to. So it's yeah. something... The, the something 1980s that, have not let you off the hook. The 1980s have followed you, unfortunately, a bit more than Southampton, for sure. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not like you don't see trouble very often at Leeds United. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the 21st century I get it <laughs> yeah yeah but it's still got it's kind of like mm-hmm. the hostile atmosphere booing every single player opposition players touches and all this lot and it, it is a bit of a cauldron for time to time and Rafinha plays off that he loves that you know in terms of the big games the high pressure moments he delivers in you know Brentford away he's got a penalty in the 60th minute we know Burnley are 1-0 down it's our chance to kind of like secure our survival penalty in the in a really tight game at that point, and he doesn't just score it, he's put he's shoving it in the top corner, he's sending the keeper the wrong way. It's just it's like it's nothing, and you know, he's he's dummied the goalkeeper as well to win the penalty in the first place. And that whole performance, I think really look at that performance, it was like saying, That's it, that's his last game for Leeds United, and what a way to go out. And it is it, genuinely one of the best individual performances I've ever seen from a Leeds player in the context of the pressure that was on that game. I never felt from seeing Rafinha in the first five, ten minutes of that game, we were ever going to go down that day. And it seems mad to say, because we were behind Burnley going into it and all the odds were against us. No team, I think, for 11 years has started a day in the bottom three on the last day of the season and, and got out of it. So it was quite an incredible achievement away from home to a good team. And just, he's got an aura about him, Rafinha. You can only describe it when you see him play for you kind of thing. And it's, and it's not just for Leeds United as well. Something that's important to say, he's gone into the Brazilian national team where he's not the big superstar, he's just one of some several very, very good players and he's performed admirably. You know, he's outperformed Neymar, Jesus in those games and he's kind of pretty much solidified his spot on that right wing for Brazil now. You know, I think every single game Brazil play, he's in the team. So it feels like he's really scored his place there. And I think that's a very important thing, Dan, as you kind of mentioned that it is a big step up, you know, going from playing for a mid-table Premier League team if we're being kind at this moment in time to a team that's going to be in the Champions League next season, has made some world-class signings. You know, Lewandowski is going to be, at the very minimum, looking to, you know, push for the league, the league of title. I'd probably argue the ambition has to be bigger than that now. It has to be win the league of title um, or win a trophy next season, win one of the big two or maybe a cup. But that's the thing now, it's winning trophies and that's a big step up. But his performances in the big games, his general mentality, the fact he's going to see more of the ball as well, Barcelona under Xavi, possession-based team, tiki-taka, he's going to get the ball 
a lot of isolated situations against the fullback and in really dangerous areas. It's going to be not to. It's not going to have to be going to the halfway line and trying to produce absolute mad skills to get himself in any right. kind of situation, kind of thing. And that's what he was having to do for us last season. It, it, we were a one-man team for large spells yeah. last season, and he's got less of that now. And I think that did take its toll at times last season. Yeah, when Rafinha was kind of you almost saw in his body language when we went two or three down in the game, he's thinking, "I'm doing everything I can here, lads," kind of thing. And yeah, we can't defend and all this lot, but. I've no real concerns about that. You know, the fact he's gone to the Brazil team, sees a little bit less of the ball because he's not like the star man, but he's still as effective. That that will give me a lot of confidence about him. And the fact that he's a type of player I think Barcelona needs. I think obviously lots of things have improved under Xavi. I think obviously I definitely want to we're gonna break down all of his tactics and stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. In a second, because I want to do talk about the financial part first. So 58 million fixed fee plus add-ons up to a total package of 67 million with a deal to 2027. I think, you know, it's, it's a difficult narrative to understand. Like the story you just told about the last day and all that stuff, you know, those stories for players galvanize them. They make them heroes at clubs. And those are the kind of players that you trust in the big moments for sure. The ones who've handled pressure even at any level, right? Even you'll see that the players who were the ones to take the big penalties at the, you know, say the U20 World Cup or the U17 World Cup, those players wind up always either being nothing because of overconfidence and hubris and they don't work and it falls off, those superstars at the U17 era, or they become the, the next generation stars. Where you can say, of course, that guy always had it. A lot, the same can be said of goalkeepers too, where, oh, that guy was always between the sticks when he was U17s on penalties to win the U- the 17 World Cup, or the U-20 World Cup, or whatever it is. So those examples of, of guys who can handle pressure, either works or it doesn't. As I said, at 25 years old, I'm not worried about his hubris. I'm not worried about or, like overconfidence or him doing what many Brazilians do in Barcelona. And they go, wait a second, the clubs are out. I mean, the clubs are open until what time? The, I can stay out and <laughs> have fun and then show up the next day for the game. It's going to be great. Now the Xavi is going to be obviously gung-ho for that. Of course, you know, he has a very intensity and rules and all that stuff. But as far as the price, again, the, the two sides of this is that, especially you're in the UK, so you know this better than anybody else, that the outcry of his price tag comes a lot from the questions of Barcelona being able to afford him. I think more so even than asking truly if Chelsea or if Bayern Munich or if Juventus or if Manchester City, if one of those other clubs had paid 58 million fixed fee with a 67 million euro package, would that have been a fair price for them? Because I think that's really what I'm asking, right? I'm not asking, is it a fair price for Barcelona? I'm asking, is it a fair market value for this player? When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough, and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. 
Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think I think it is to be honest with you. I think the thing is with transfers. Sometimes you have transfers where you think that's outrageously expensive, and then that's used as like the benchmark. So, like say with Jack Grealish, you know, I was having this debate. A lot of people were saying I personally think Rafinha is a better player than Jack Grealish in terms of who I'd rather. If I was a Barcelona fan, who would I rather in the Barcelona team? I'd much prefer Rafinha. But is he worth what Jack Grealish was worth in the context of what was happening when Jack Grealish moved to Man City? No, no, he probably he's not worth 100 million. Um, but Jack Grealish wasn't worth 100 million. So that's got to be part of the, the thinking in that kind of sense. I would say it's about right. Um, you know, I think when it's kind of mentioned in kind of like before the season finished, what kind of price would you put on Rafinha? I just said about 55 to 60 million. I think it's the fact is saying, it is funny, Brett, you said Jack Grealish because any player that Barcelona is linked with now that you go, is he an attacking midfielder or is he a winger? Even with Messi gone, I just I, I don't want to answer that question. I'm, I'm just Griezmann, Coutinho, and stop. For winger, it's got to be one or the other, right? They either it's either they can play the high interior, they can play the interior, or they can yeah. play. The I, I don't. My, my brain is going to break if I do one more of those. But yes, back to it. That was it. That's why I was having panics when I saw Barcelona linked with Dybala and that. Lots thinking, no, that's the exact mistake. That's the exact mistake exactly. with Alverdi and Kuman and. It was, yeah, it's um, obviously that's a very, very good point. That you know, in terms of Coutinho, when Coutinho moved for a certain fee, he was never really worth that. But at the time, this and that. So it's, it's always a very, I don't think there's ever really a 100% a yes or a no answer. Is it the right amount? Is it not the right amount? I think always it comes down to what fee 
the selling club is willing to sell the player for. You know, if the player is trying to force a move, of course that's going to bring his value down because if he doesn't get his move, he's not going to be happy in it 100%, you know, in terms of performance-wise. So your value is only going to fall down from that point. So that's part of it as well. I think Barcelona would have gotten cheaper. And obviously, you said before about Chelsea and that, but you would have gotten cheaper had Barcelona, had Chelsea not got involved. Um, I yeah. do genuinely think that. I, I was surprised there was English clubs getting involved in the, in the Rafinha saga. Um, you know, I only ever saw him possibly against Barcelona. I never really had a feeling that he'd go to an English club, even when it looked like he was getting signed, sealed and delivered You know, a couple of weeks ago at Chelsea. I, I even looked at that and thought, it won't happen. It won't happen. It is, his dream has clearly been Barcelona from the off. So, yes, I, I'd say it's about right, personally, Dan. I, I think, obviously, in terms of wages, he wasn't on an enormous amount at Leeds United, certainly not compared to what... And when I say he wasn't on an enormous amount, he wasn't on what Lewandowski was on at Bayern kind of thing. He's not concerned too much about the wage package side of things. The fact he's only 25, he'll have some resale value as well. If it doesn't, you know, if it's like an Alexis Sanchez kind of deal where he does well, but doesn't quite establish himself as a starting 11 player, you can just move him on perhaps to like an Arsenal or Chelsea in two years' time or so. Comparison. I like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, you know, if you can't get, because look, the elephant in the room is the fact that he plays on the right-hand side. And I personally think Dembele's best performances are also on the right-hand side. So there's a possibility one of those two players is not going to play as much as they may be hoping. Maybe he might move one, one of them to the left, but then you've got Ferran Torres, Antufati. So there's a pop, you've got so many attacking wise players now at Barcelona that one, one of them is going to be unhappy inevitably with game time. So it's good that you've got resale value with all of them. They're all at a certain age, kind of that 25, 26 bracket. I know Anzu's a little bit younger, but there's no chance Barcelona will ever sell Antufati. But those other kind of players, like Ferran Torres, et cetera, et cetera, they can move on like, you know, Alexis Sanchez, et cetera. So, yeah, it's not one that with Griezmann, when Griezmann signed, he was, what, was he 28 when he signed? There was never really any resale value there. He was on such an enormous wage that Barcelona were always, no one was ever going to pay Griezmann that in terms of the, the fee. It was a classic Bartomeu kind of deal. Um, and the same with Coutinho, same with, to an extent, Dembele, maybe less so now. Barcelona have been clever about this one for me in terms of, I, I do think this is a clever move. I think if anything... The Lewandowski one could potentially be riskier. You know, if he if he did pick up an injury or something like that, it's his age, or if he does drop off, you know, a little bit, it seems almost ridiculous to say, but you almost look at what like Messi's drop off from going from one environment to a new environment, you know, in terms of when he went from Barcelona to PSG. We all know Messi was not at his best at PSG last season. In terms of it was unthinkable his drop off in goals. I'm not saying that will happen with Lewandowski, but if it did that's one where you're not going to get any resale value because of his age kind of thing. So it wouldn't concern me with a Barcelona hat on, a Leeds hat on. I'm pretty satisfied on both sides of it, really. I think it's, a, I think it's just been a really smooth deal. Everyone's happy. I think everyone's, he's, everyone wishes them the best at Leeds United with no question about it. Fans, players, I mean, he's had a great relationship with them all. I don't know if you saw our interview, not our interview, sorry, the Jesse Marsh interview, you know, he, he couldn't have wished him for any better for Rafinha. You know, he's been a massive inspiration for, for our football club and I'm so proud of him and so happy for him to get that um, that kind of move, really. Well, yeah, it also meant that, uh, well, Brendan Anderson already in his way. Again, this is the US talk for just a second, but Brendan Anderson now moving there and Tyler Adams also being the next domino in Rafinha. So give, it gives US fans at least, which is uh, some portion of our podcast listeners a reason to watch Leeds United. But yeah, you hit all the good points there with, he is a player in his prime who does have resale value very much like, as you said, Ferran Torres and Demele. But I, I think the major part of that too is his wages. 
that his wages are going to fit the new salary structure. And that is even more important than the transfer fee. Like we really do get caught up in the transfer fee of the Coutinho and the Griezmanns because those numbers were so egregious at the time. And they had to be paid, especially Coutinho, they had to be paid in such installments of such large amounts to Liverpool that it does hamstring you. Where as opposed to, again, this this one, you, you break it up as whatever it's going to be in five, 10 million plus versions or whatever it is over the course of a, a few transfer winners and the like. But as long as his wages fit the salary structure, that means he does have resale value. Because again, egregious wages, as we're, as you've seen with Frankie de Young, especially if the player doesn't want to go, it's impossible to move players on, right? It, even yeah. the likes of Umtiti, who took a huge, who took a huge salary reduction, uh, Pianos, who took a huge salary reduction, which again, I got wrong. I was corrected on that. So good point for last uh, later in last week's show when, yeah, he actually apparently Pianos did take 60%. I was just not official yet. But okay, so one more about the the contact and the bring him to, to the club. And then I, we're going to get into the Dembele Rafini and all that stuff. So we heard that Deco, former Barcelona player, was a major player in the deal. And yes, he played for Barcelona. He got <laughs> a little shade. He very much like Ronaldinho could tell you the best places to go if you want to stay out till three in the morning. But now, yeah. he's, now he's a full-fledged adult. Now he's retired from that. Probably, I'm not sure about how much he retired from that business, but definitely retired from that bit of that business, all the football. But I reminded you that he did play for Chelsea. But it seems that he still has a, just a stronger relationship, as many of these players do. Again, would you rather live in your, your villa in Barcelona or your flat in, in London, right? I mean, or Chelsea, you know, where would you rather, <laughs> where would you rather spend your time for your multiple homes for those kind of players? So it seems like his relationship to Catalonia is really what not even helped us get over the line. That was Rafinha wanting to come. But Deco was reaching out to Barcelona as early as we heard November. I checked my own notes that the first rumbling I heard was about October, November. And then in February, it was basically, if Dembele leaves, Rafinha is definitely coming. And even now, I mean, it was the last few weeks when you kind of were like, wait a second, Dembele might renew and Rafinha independently might still be on his way, which is the case, which is pretty miraculous. That goes back to the Alemani stuff and all his magic. But when it comes to this Rafinha to Barcelona thing, Deco was the major player, it feels like, even as much as the player was. Yeah, definitely. Just to say on Deco, I think when he and Ronaldinho both left um, Barcelona last summer, I think at least three or four bars went out of business, to be honest. I think at least, I mean, um, this <laughs> one, I, league, though. Okay, I'll, I'll always be indebted to. to oh, of course. They're players. fantastic players. It's just the last um, the last season or so last when they yeah, yeah. left. But was, he had a mentor uh, Xavi and Iniesta. He was a big reason why they had the success they did. So, yeah, yeah, I, I know. We threw a little shade on his, his lifestyle, but... No, absolutely. It's what, it is. It's what made him good players, though. That's what I will say. You know, Ron Dino, yeah, yeah. what made him good player? What's that? You know, geniuses like those two, it's what made him good players. I mean, that little bit of... Um, they were never going to work under a Guardiola, were they? Let's be honest. It, but right, right. it just worked perfectly for everyone, really. But, um, but yeah, it, obviously, it does feel like Deco was a big player in this, being Rafinha's agent. It still surprised me a little bit that him and Laporta have such strong connections because Laporta wasn't particularly, um, what's the best word for it? When he was talking about when Deco and Ronaldinho left, again, we're going back a long time ago, he wasn't the most like um, complimentary about both. He's saying both didn't show great professionalism, again, alluding to this thing about going out in Barcelona. So obviously they've, they've made, bridged the gap, whatever way you want to put it, they've made up in that kind of sense. And yeah, I think it's, it's good that Barcelona are making these kind of contacts. You know, I think obviously Ronaldinho was interviewed about Rafinha several times. Rafinha and Ronaldinho have a very special bond. You know, when Ronaldinho was in trouble, you know, obviously was in, um, you know, obviously a big financial mess really and facing 
jail time. I won't go into what happened in that lot, but mm-hmm. Rafinha was a big, you know, a big part of that in terms of obviously helping Ronaldinho out, as was Messi. But I remember when he scored, I think it's against oh, you Southampton. Mean, you, mean Deco. you mean Deco came to his aid? Or you think Rafinha? No, Rafinha coming to Ronaldinho's aid. Interesting. Okay. Um, as did Messi, I, I believe. And Ronaldinho was in a bit of financial. I'm not, not going to throw shade on Ronaldinho, but it wasn't a great situation for him. Um, and when Rafinha scored, I think it was against Southampton, wonderful free kick. He was holding up a shirt in support of Ronaldinho. So I think it goes beyond before he even went to Leeds United. Rafinha and Ronaldinho know each other very, very well. And so I think Deco is the main player, but I think having other contacts as well around Barcelona probably did help the move to happen. I will say, though, I'm surprised both Dembele and Rafinha signed for the exact reason you kind of mentioned, Dan, you know, the fact that they're both similar types of player, the fact that Barcelona obviously need to structure wage packages and that lot. But listen, they've got both players in. We can't deny that Dembele doesn't have a problem with injuries. He did seem to get a run of games last season, which was encouraging, but Dembele, Fatty... Again, there's a chance, sadly, hopefully that isn't the case this season, that one of them will have a spell out at some point. You, 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 I think there's been a naivety about Barcelona in the last couple of years in terms of thinking, it's fine, we've got, looks like a great start 11 on paper, but if Ansu Fati misses a game, Martin Braithwaite's got to go in. You know, um, Luke de Jong's got to go in. <laughs> These kind of like signings that Barcelona were making that were just very much sticking the plaster over a much bigger, you know, it's that kind of situation for Barcelona. So you've got a player. Yeah. Do you think Rafinha then uh, on just on that rotation, I, I, you brought up the big part of it. I mean, not everyone's going to be healthy at all different times of season, but let's say they do, let's say we're the, the grass is greener and we're being overtly positive here. Do you think that Rafinha can handle being a regular substitute? If Xavi decides to heavily rotate Ferran Torres, Dembele, Rafinha, and then you have Ansu and Lewandowski and Aubameyang and probably not Memphis at this juncture, but we'll have to still see. And then maybe some Kayado or Abde, one of the two. And, you know, but I may mainly speaking, as you mentioned, about Dembele and Rafinha, because I agree with you. They're both better on the, white, on, the, on the right wing. And let's do say that Ansu is at 70%. And whether or not Ansu starts, I think could actually, again, be the big wild card here too, based on health. Because even if Ansu is healthy, is the club going to... We'll say not even fully risk him, but are they ever going to entrust him with being a 70% of the time starter, you know, for the next, until his knees can really truly prove he can take on a full season. You know, I think that's the, honestly, the big question, almost the answer to rather that question, he's the answer to Dembele and Rafinha. And you mentioned Dembele's injury history, of course. And it seems like Rafinha has a pretty good clean bill of health. Yeah, from yeah it's totally. Even if when you think he'll be at... Because he got some tackles, you know, playing for, for Leeds United. He got some mm. really, really bad tackles going in on him pretty much every game. You know, there's one game where I thought, oh my word, he's broken his ankle there. You know, it looks that bad a tackle. Um, but then he played the next week, kind of, you know, even even played on for a little bit with what was clearly, you know, at the very least, kind of like a sprained ankle at the very least. So he's a warrior in that sense. You know, he's one of those players that absolute total dedication, determination to play in every single game. And I'm not questioning that of Fatty and Dembele, but... I think, you know, in terms of the pain threshold, whatever it is, he, he just never, ever seems to be injured and his conditioning is obviously superb. And it's not just at Leeds. I think it, throughout his career, that's been the case. But yeah, with Ansu Fati, I think I still believe that if all of them are fit at the same time, I think Ansu Fati is still the best option. I think Ansu Fati, for me, is the best talent um, out of all the young players at this moment in time. I think purely on what he can do on the football pitch. And if he stays fit for 70% of the time, I think he's... he's and then Mbappe level of talent for me, um, Fatty, if not arguably better, you know, gen- genuinely based on what I've seen. But 
I think it's good that Barcelona have got an option now where he's not going to have to play every game. He might just play, say, for example, if it's Atletico Madrid on the Saturday and then a Champions League dead rubber or a cup, you know, cup game against um, Tenerife or something like that, you're not going to play Fatty in that Tenerife game. You can just play him in the Atletico game and allow him proper time to recover and just build himself up again, not playing him every single time. Because that's, that's a mistake Ronald Koeman made and you know, other managers in that sense. We're not just Ansu Fatty with every player you know, with, with an injury problem. So it feels like Barcelona are learning from that lesson. The question you asked me earlier about Rafinha, will he be happy not playing every game? I think you've got to be naive. If I think Rafinha would have to be naive if he thinks, if he thinks he's going to play every game. You know, he would have to be naive because you, you can't just look at it and say, they've got Dembele, they've got Fatih, they've got Lewandowski. You're not going to play every game. So I think if he can play, if he can start 30, 35 games, I think it's a superb, superb return. Um, but the good thing is with Barcelona playing so many more games than Leeds, it's not going to be like sitting out for two or three weeks at a time. He can just play the right. Champions League game or the league game. This is kind of like the idea I was alluding to. And I think, you know, you see it with Real Madrid to an extent, you know, I don't want to necessarily use Real Madrid as an example, but with Rodrigo for Real Madrid, you know, he kind of like became a super sub in the in the Champions League, but started most games in the league. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's that much of a concern. I don't think it'll be as nice as what it was at Leeds in that sense. But at the end of the day, when you're playing at the elite level, unless you're kind of like Lionel Messi, you're probably not, or Lewandowski. Lewandowski guaranteed. Oh, yeah. He's going to play. I mean, Lewandowski is going to play 50 games this season. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, but Lewandowski, I think, you know, if you're talking about a sure thing, it's as close you can probably get for Barcelona at this moment in time. Yeah, it's interesting. To such an extent, I'm not even convinced Aubameyang will stay on at Barcelona. I think it might, you might yeah. get a situation with that in terms of it might have to be Ferran Torres being a rotation option on the left wing and up front, possibly. But we'll see. We'll see. But there's, yeah, I think Lewandowski, Pedri, and Jordi Alba are probably say are pretty secure. I think probably week in, week out kind of players. Yeah, and Raupo as well, probably as well. I mean, I'd love not to also say Sergio Busquets, but always a reminder that Sergio Busquets led the team last year in, in games played and second on the team in minutes played only behind Ter Stegen. So Busquets, until things change, we're always going to start with his name in that category. But on the topic again of Rafinha and that front three, like we, we did speak about Lewandowski, right? And it's not really a worry that Rafinha has only played eight games through the middle. I don't think that's going to be where he's going to be. We even saw in the one preseason game, which again, I'm going to overreact to and think, you know, go crazy about. I think Ansu is the second in line to be in the middle. And then Aaron Torres is third in the line to be in the middle. And if this is a Ronald Koeman, oh no, MLA or Rafinha are in the middle, in case of emergency, something has gone horribly wrong with the depth of the squad at the moment, right? And there are much larger problems to deal with systemically. Again, if it's Dembele or Rafinha playing some kind of false nine, right? Like something has gone amiss. That said, he has played 78 games on the left wing and 127 on the right wing. And I think, you know, looking at the way people are talking about him or who Barcelona fans who just heard of Rafinha for the first time are now trying to watch as much leads in the Premier League last season as they could. They're saying this guy's on the right wing. That's where he belongs. But again, I was pretty surprised to see that he has played you know, almost 80 games on the left side and just about 130 on the right, which does tell me that it seems like there is some versatility to him up top. And while preferably with that left foot on the right side, Xavi would love to use him there. It, it, it also seems like Xavi, who is very much married to the idea that, hey, my wingers have got to be on the, on the touchline. That's where they belong. They belong to, uh, they belong on the field to establish width and to bring that multi-faceted uh, horizontal attack to the opposition. 
And it seems like I could easily see Xavi saying, wait a second, you're cutting a lot in on that left foot or from the right to the left on the right wing. I want you on the left side and kind of just do your thing out there and provide with there. I could see both of those working just fine. Also based on the opponent as well. Like if you're playing against somebody who's going to play in a low, low block, a team that you know is going to basically defend with all 11 players in their, their third of the field, then maybe you do just start him on the left and just try to extend that field horizontally, as opposed to if you're going to play against, and you mentioned again, Atletico Madrid, or Atletico is a tough example, but or a Villarreal, right? Or another team, or even a Real Madrid, a team that's going to try to get at you and is going to be able to play vertically a bit more than some of those other teams that are going to, that are going to push in. Then obviously on the right wing, you want him at his most comfortable at the position that he's best at and going one V one against defenders and trusting his, his skills and his instincts on the right side. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just on the ball as well, off the ball. I think he's going to massively improve Barcelona's press. I think that's maybe the one slight weakness um, from last season. You know, as much as Barcelona did improve, was sometimes the pressing from the front without certain players wasn't as good. But I think with Rafinha coming in, I think it's a massive boost in that kind of sense. You know, someone that we've seen it at Leeds United is playing in one of the most intense teams in Europe, you know, in terms of how we press some of the Marcelo Bielsa and Jesse Marsh. The fact that he can do a defensive job as well, he can follow. You know, if he's playing on the right, he can follow an overlapping left back. He can follow an overlapping right back. So if it was, for example, Real Madrid away or something like that, and you wanted someone to follow Danny Carvajal or um, Phil Mendy, you know, who was overlapping, he'd be able to do that job pretty well, you know, in terms of doing that defensive side of the game. And for me, potentially, it could develop into kind of like a Pedro type player where it depends on, basically, his position will depend on who else is on the pitch kind of thing. So with Pedro, um, when he's played for Pep, David Villa was playing on the left. Pedro would just go and slot in on the right-hand side and vice versa, etc. And it feels like it could be a player like that. I think he can be as effective on the left as what he is on the right. Not the same type of threat, but he offers you something different on the left. You know, on the left, he's already on his strong foot. He can whip balls in from that left-hand side, no question about it. You know, first-time deliveries into, hey, only the best header of the ball in Europe in terms of Robert Lewandowski. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of different options there, the way, ways you can play him. Um, I will say this season, he's not played very often on the left at all. It was more last season where he was getting the odd game on the left-hand side because we had we had a lot of right-wingers playing for us in the first season, um, or two seasons ago, rather. So he did go on to that left-hand side and his numbers were still good on that side. So I imagine he's probably played most on the left for Rennes and um, you know, Sporting Lisbon and that lot in, in Portugal. So... Yeah, it's it's an interesting um, it's an interesting one, but I still think you can be the same level of threat. I even saw something mentioned about him potentially filling in at left back um, for Jordi Alba. If Jordi Alba got injured or something, that was the plan. Barcelona weren't looking to bring in a left back for that reason. And to be honest with you, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he could do the job. He, defensively, he played a couple of games on the right wing back for Leeds, and he was he was our best defender. <laughs> that, was the, that was almost a worry for Leeds United, but people yeah. were moaning about it. But I made the point saying that, hang on a minute, he might play in that position, but he actually defended better than anyone else on the pitch. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the situation. So he is, you know, he has got that enough about him to possibly do that. I'm not saying he's going to do that, but if the situation arose, then yeah, I'm sure he could try his hand at it. No problem at all. And he might even play the odds game you know, through the middle even, you know, if it is against a super low block and Barcelona needs to change to a 4 2 3 1, maybe even put him in that 10 role. You know, I mm-hmm. doubt it will happen, but listen, it is a potential thing that can happen. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a very, very 
versatile player that Barcelona got on their hands. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how much I really want to see him at left back. I, I think that I don't know though. With he's, better, left- he's probably be more solid than what Junior Firpo was last season. To be fair, well, two years ago, yeah, sure, well, yeah, well, yeah, even for Leeds, yeah, that's true. I, I'm. I'm Unfortunately, we're dragging Junior Purple a little bit here. Never my intent, but uh, as I've said before about Barcelona's squad, especially if Xavi is pivoting to a 3-4-3, which we'll, we'll keep going about that. But to see Dest at left back makes a little more sense to me. And and moving forward from there, or even giving a chance to Alex Balde, I'd probably prefer just Sabrafina get to do what he does best. And that is being upfield. So the other question statistically here, after a season that leads as the guy, with 11 goals and, and three assists. Now, the three assists are the one where I go just three assists. When you look at Dembele's function and what he does, he's no longer a goal scorer almost in any way. He's just an assist man. And it seems like Rafinha is a bit of the opposite. He did that in 36 appearances as well. Now, again, considering his teammates and considering the scores of those games and what Leeds were trying to just put together through survival as opposed to trying to thrash teams four or five, or even when Leeds were brought right back under, uh, right back up under Bielsa, right? Like the Leeds we United that we saw wasn't necessarily the, again, the promoted Bielsa version that just went crazy in their, their first return to the Premier League. But what kind of expected output? I, I think you could say this numerically, but even functionally that we can expect from Rafinha this season. I think to be fair, I know his numbers last season suggested more of a goal scorer than assist maker but I think the important thing to mention was I don't know if you're a fan of like things like expected assists and stats like this and that lot, but to it's important my listeners let me let me know how the frustrations of my reliance on those unsaid numbers yes <laughs> but in terms of that I think it was like kind of like quadruple and um, not quadruple sorry about triple that I think was his expected assist so you can't mm. expected nine and um, it has to be mentioned we didn't have an out and out centre forwards all season and we were very very way slip foot of goal so even you on the eye, you're saying Lewandowski is an upgrade to the number nine at Leeds United last year oh yeah 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 no doubt you're making yeah. that claim you're going out on a limb <laughs> oh yeah yeah that, that hot take yeah I'm, co- I'm confident I'm confident I'm, <laughs> despite his lack of Lack of proven quality in the quality league. I, I'm going to back Lewandowski to uh, to be a better centre forward. To be fair, but no, it's not even just Lewandowski. You know, obviously like Anzu Fati and Ferran Torres. Um, well, actually, to be fair, Ferran Torres was quite wasteful last season, but I think he will improve in that regards. And yeah, I, I think he's going to get a decent amount of assists. I, I'd imagine for me, I, I was looking at numbers, potential numbers yesterday I think if he starts 25 30 games I'm pretty confident he'd get at least kind of like 20 goals and assists so maybe 10 and 10 but I think he can do more than that you know if he if he's playing more regular than that I think you'd be talking 15 15 10 assists something like that um yeah I think he will be pretty even in that regard I think it's also important to mention that Leeds he was the main set piece taker and main penalty taker I'm not sure if that would be a set of thing at Barcelona, although maybe, maybe to be fair. I'd probably prefer um, Rafinha over a free kick than what Barcelona have had, what players Barcelona have had over free kicks in the last sort of two years since last sort of, sorry, the last year or so since Messi's left. I think mm-hmm. Barcelona have lacked, lacked that set, set piece threat. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I still think I'd probably put Rafinha on a lot of the set pieces, to be honest. So, I see no reason why he can't get at least 20 goals and assists unless he's literally not playing. Um, I think he'll score a lot more goals than Dembele. I think he's a much better finisher than Dembele. Is he the same level of creative threat? Is anyone the same level of creative threat as what Dembele has been in the last sort of year or so? I think anyway. the fact that... Not just a yeah, anywhere. Yeah, he has exploded in the last year in that kind of regard, but 
if it is just Dembele being the creator and you know Rafinha in the front three with Lewandowski on the other side, I, I've no question that Le, um, Rafinha can develop his game to become more of an inside forward than a winger kind of thing. I'd say Dembele is just an out-and-out winger. I don't think he's as effective as you're playing through the middle or really, really narrow. I think he has to be playing on the touchline against up against the fullback, beating the fullback and getting a crossing or a cutback or combining with, you know, Daniel, well, not Daniel, but whoever's playing at right back next season for Barcelona. I think um, Rafinha's a different threat in that kind of sense. But uh, but I see no reason with his ball striking, his ability to shoot from distance. Um, yeah, I kind of compare it to, you know, Mares going to Man City to an extent in terms of, I think obviously it's fair to say, Pep and Xavi share similar systems, not totally similar, but in terms of what he wants the wingers to do. Yeah, you know, I think it was Pep who said it himself that playing him a positional play system, the wingers have to be very, very patient because they have to stay in position. They can't just drift inside to get the ball because the numerical superiority on that side of the pitch is gone. Um, you know, it doesn't matter even if you're a wonderful footballer, you have to stay wide. You have to be willing to stay in that particular zone on the pitch. Very, very important for the wingers. And yeah, I think Rafinha's got the patience to do that for me. And if you can see what the end product is, the fact that he's got Lewandowski to aim at, then yeah, there's no no reason at all why not. And yeah, I, I do genuinely think he's versatile. I think when I look at Barcelona's current options, I think Fatty and Torres, I don't think excel creatively. I think they're much more goal scorer based. Dembele, the total opposite. I think Rafinha is that go-between kind of thing in, in that kind of sense, you know, which Barcelona have lacked, I think, for a fair while, to be fair, I'd well, say. As I've been doing for like six months, I do want to defend the numbers of Ferran Torres a little bit where his goals and assists just in the half a season were six and six. So even if we extrapolate that over a full season, there's a chance that Ferran Torres gets you 10 and 10. And if Rafinha gives you something like 10 and 10, and if Dembele gives you something like seven and 14, right? Like now, or not even seven, but let's say he gives you five and 14 or 16 or 17, right? If he plays a whole season and is healthy, you know, one of my favorite things to do for preseason is people know I keep, I keep, uh, we'll say predicting or keep throwing numbers in there now, but forward wise, it's a numbers game, right? And for Barcelona, okay. can they defend? Can they not give up the number of goals? That's whether or not they win trophies, but by and large coming to total number of goals, right? It's just, it's flabbergasting that Aubameyang and Memphis Dubai were close to the tops of the, the, the goals charts for Barca and they were under 15 and by, by, some number even, but yeah, so uh, the numbers, I'll have to break all those down. That's something that I'll, I'll have in a future show here, but now just a few more real quick here at the end, you mentioned Brazil before he has three goals and seven appearances for him. And, and I think this was pretty cut and dry. You might even just be able to agree with me here that moving to a club like Barcelona from Leeds United, who might next season also be in a relegation fight again, based on who they're able to bring in and what they're able to put forward with Jesse March, uh, March and, and that, and that crew. But it seems like his chances to go to Qatar have now almost doubled by just moving to Barcelona. We have seen this so many times over and over again, where going back to a player like a junior Furpro, where for Real Betis, I don't know if he was really getting a look. And then the minute he comes up, I mean, even like Gabi, if Gabi had come up for almost any other club in Spain, if not for Real Madrid or Barcelona, is he currently playing on a Luis Enrique in the Spanish national team? I'm not sure about that. But when you do play for Barcelona, you're immediately coming into your national team because you can handle pressure, because you can play at the high level, because you have to be consistent or you will not play. You will be replaced. That is the biggest thing at these clubs where you, especially again, the Barcelona's, the Real Madrid's, the Manchester City's, if you fall out of favor or if you have a run of games, now you're out of the squad. Now you're a substitute. And that's how quickly things change. 
And when you're playing at World Cups, you're playing in these big international competitions. You've got to get it right. You've got seven games to win the World Cup. That's what yeah. you've got. You've got seven if you games. One, if you're bad on that first group game, then you're out the team for the second group game and you might not play again at the tournament. That's the simple fact. And that is the cutthroat environment that Rafinha is going to get himself accustomed to. He's no longer... He's still a star, but he's no longer like... For Leeds United fans, it was like, you know, at my age, I'm the same age as Rafinha, but we haven't seen players like this in 20 years who can just basically just win you a game on their own and at the highest level. You know, he's going from his total... Everyone adores him at Leeds kind of thing. Everyone absolutely adores Even when he's gone, you know, people are still talking glowing terms about him. But Barcelona... It's very brutal. Yeah, you know, I think you know he saw it Coutinho to an extent. You know, I remember going early on to a Barcelona game when Coutinho had signed and it hadn't started particularly well for him and the crowd wasn't particularly receptive to him and he seemed to just go into hiding after that point and never really came out of it. And same with Griezmann, you know, in terms of being the superstar at Atletico Madrid and he went to just being like, he's not as good as Lionel Messi. He's not really accepting that he's not the superstar anymore. But I think Rafinha, in terms of being from such a humble background, such a humble person himself, you know, having met him a couple of times and um, it's certainly his family, actually, a couple of times. And he's such a humble, humble person that I think it's not a problem for him in that kind of sense that he might be facing a cutthroat environment. He's had to fight throughout for his Barcelona career, but certainly with Brazil, there's no question about it. The bigger team you play for, I don't necessarily agree with it, but the bigger team you play for, the better chance you have in international football. It's just the way it works. And, Arguably, that's why international football isn't as strong as at this moment in time. That a lot of the form players get missed out because they're only playing for like West Ham or Leeds. So, yeah, it's almost a sure thing for me that he's going to be starting games on that right hand side for Brazil, unless something goes horribly wrong between now and November. Yeah, well, I probably should have started with this question, but instead, we're going to end with this question. It's probably going to be your longest answer potentially, too. We're going to dumb this down for the internet, unfortunately, because that <laughs> tends to be what happens with discourse. So, with Kool-Aid's watching Rafinha, even in preseason, what would you say his, his greatest strength will be? I think we have an assumption that it's going to be a lot. If the word dribbling doesn't come out of your mouth, I'm going to be surprised. But then on the other side of it, what will potentially frustrate Kool-Aid's about him? And then the follow-up to that a little bit is how reliant on that left foot is he? So you could do them, you could break that up as well. So yeah, we're looking for the best, the positives, like what we're looking for and what you expect fans to get excited about. And I think this is beyond just golden assists, because again, if a player produces, obviously that is going to endear him to Kool-Aid and because that wins games, golden assists wins games. But as far as the things that he's doing otherwise, that if this is his function in Xavi's system, this is his job in a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-3, because again, Every time Dembélé decided to defend under Xavi, he almost got a standing ovation because you're like, oh, this guy actually does yeah, yeah, yeah. defend and go back like sometimes a little bit. Okay, all right. That's a great thing. I think the big thing for me, and it might seem a strange thing to say since obviously Dembélé's form, but the reason I mentioned earlier at the top of the show about his aura, I think when you watch him, those first couple of touches, especially remember at least United, he's someone that he doesn't care if something goes wrong, he's always willing to try the almost impossible kind of thing. And I think those type of players, Barcelona fans have come to absolutely adore. And listen, I'm not going to say he's on the level of talent of Ronaldinho, Messi and all these players. He's not on that level of talent, but he's got a similar mindset in terms of he, he will back himself to beat two players, get on his left foot and curl one in from 30 yards. He will back himself to do that. And I just think he gives Barcelona fans that sentiment excitement. You know, it brings that excitement to the front three, especially if Dembele's not on the pitch. If Dembele's like the backup right winger, you know, I think Fatty and Lewandowski both you know, probably going to deliver more output, 
but both more sort of robotic kind of players, both kind of get on the end of chances rather than making the chances happen themselves, if that makes kind of sense. I think Rafinha's got that outstanding moment in him. Yeah, that moment that can win you a game away at Atletico Madrid when you're getting frustrated for 90 minutes, you can pop one in from 20 yards from absolutely nothing. It's it's that big game moments in them kind of thing. And that's something Barcelona have significantly lacks, I think, in the last couple of years. It gives you that side of that side swim. But obviously his biggest strength is his tripling and, and and just that unpredictability about him. Yeah, Dembele, despite being such an amazing dribbler, probably even a better dribbler than Rafinha, it's kind of only really you never feel like Dembele's going to pop one in for 30 yards kind of thing. I don't think he's got yeah. that ball striker from distance. I think he is very much a creator now. Rafinha's different. I just think Rafinha's got that potential. Maybe a bit of a question mark about how consistently he can do it, but he's got that potential to do anything you can imagine on the football pitch kind of thing. And there's not that many forwards you can say that about. The question is how consistently can he do that, if that makes sense. You know, it, mm-hmm. So I'd say, yeah, the dribbling and unpredictability will be something that very much makes him a popular player straight away. I think, obviously, his mentality. You know, I think how many times you've seen Barcelona just mess it up in the Champions League, you know, go into a tough away game, Bayern Munich um, or a Liverpool away, and then everyone just freezes. Yeah. I feel like Rafinha Woods. I mean, I track Frankfurt at home in the Europa League. Yeah. In big moments. Big yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's, it's one of them, I think... I feel Barcelona haven't had enough players who can perform in those situations. And this isn't just this particular area of Barcelona. Even in the, with the Messi, Suarez, Neymar team, there were some very questionable away performances towards the end of that kind of era mm. under Luis Enrique, where players just didn't really produce their absolute top performances. But you've got to remember, Rafinha has had a penalty to keep Leeds United in the Premier League, you know, where yeah. if he misses it, you don't get another chance. He's going into, Leeds are going into the championship and his whole... His all everything he did at Leeds United is that's it. the only thing you go back to is the fact he missed the penalty. And it sounds ridiculous, but that would is how the way English football fans, football fans work. So he's had that biggest pressure moment in his life. Even if he's got a penalty in the Champions League final, if he misses it, you go again next year, kind of thing. That was literally for his career almost, and for Leeds United that he was he, he was on the line, kind of thing. So it's the fact he scored that penalty as well. The fact he delivered in the big moments last season too. That's something I think that's, that's kind of big. But if we go on to like the weaknesses, I think the area of his game that he has to improve is uh, is movement off the ball in terms of getting into those goal scoring situations. You know, his goals were good last season, eleven. But I still think there's more to him there. And I almost, almost compare it to it seems a weird comparison, but we guess like Mo Salah before he went to Liverpool. No one at the time before he went to Liverpool would have said Mo Salah's someone who's going to get you 20, 25 goals a season, no problem every single season. But after coaching under Klopp, he develops into that kind of player who got used to playing further inside and more as an inside forward, almost striker. I think Rafinha, that's his next step now. His finishing is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you watch every single goal he scored for Leeds was pretty much a wonder goal. Very, very few tap-ins kind of thing. And I still think if you can add to the wonder goals, a couple of crappy little tap-ins from three or four yards, he can get... 15, 20 goals a season, no question about it. But he doesn't get into those situations enough for my liking. He needs to get used to playing a bit further inside, a bit less, a bit less taking on and making an absolute fool out of the left back, a bit more getting inside the left back and just getting into goal scoring situations. But I think with the Xavi, the way he's coached it into different players' games, um, the way he's improved every single player he's worked under at Barcelona, I, I do think Xavi's the man to get that out of him. He's used to playing with these kind of players. Mm-hmm. You know, when Xavi was a player, 
he knew exactly where he wanted that inside forward to be ahead of him so he could play a defence fit in pass or he could circulate the play to get the ball into him. I can't think of anyone better to get that improvement out of Rafinha, to be honest with you. In terms of who can speak, in terms of get the best out of certain players, I, I just feel like Xavi's that man. You know, I talk about Marcel Bielsa being an unbelievable coach because Marcel Bielsa, for me, is one of the best coaches in the world. But in terms of getting a player to the very, very, very elite level, I, I do genuinely think Xavi is going to become that man for me um, in the future. And, and listen, if Rafinha improves that side of his game even a little bit in terms of getting into situations, getting that XG up a little bit, you know, getting better quality chances, being a little less reliant on scoring rockets from 30 yards. You can still do that, but just get yourself into some nice other situations, more repeatable goals, like little tappings from well-worked moves and all this lot. You know, because not every goal Lionel Messi scored for Barcelona was a wonder goal from 30 yards. He did have the other side of his game as well, where he just had to get a little bit of movement, you know, get on the end of things. And that's just the next side of Rafinha's game. Because if he gets that, up, he is, and I'm not going to hesitate to say this, he's absolutely unstoppable. Mm. He's, he's unstoppable. If he if he can just improve that side of his game a little bit, yes, some will talk about his right foot, but there's a lot of players out there who haven't got particularly good weak foot. I don't think he's as bad as what people say either. It's certainly not as good as his left foot, but he can still certainly whip in across with that right foot if needed and beat a player with his right foot as well. Uh, he's not as two-footed as, as Usman Dembele, but who is really? So, yeah. I, I don't think Robert Lewandowski's left foot's particularly strong. So, it, it's not a massive concern to me. You know, I, I, it doesn't really concern me that much, in all honesty. But if you can just improve that side of his game, use that athleticism to his absolute full potential, he will become unstoppable for me. Well, I think very much like Dembele. Kool Aids are going to question his positional play vis-a-vis his decision-making and one-touch passing as well. Like th- those are foundations of Barcelona. And I think those two aspects are going to be, again, questioned. And if he answers those questions, that's going to win Kool-Aid over very quickly because it's going to win Xavi over very quickly. And what I will say is the improvements that Sergio Dest made under Xavi already, as far as his positional play, his one-touch passing, again, now you're extrapolating that to a player with Rafinha's talent, which is a bit more than Sergio Dest, especially obviously on the ball. And you're, you're saying that, okay, there is a path forward, even at 25, it's not like he's not able to mold and change. And again, still at 25, a player entering his prime again, very much unlike Lewandowski, which is again, going back to one of the main themes of this Rafinha signing is, is a player with resale value. Not that you're looking at him to sell him on, but he's a player that still is becoming the player that he might still be again in his prime season, where again, unlike Ansu and Pedri, who are, who were superstars at 18, or you could at least say heavy, heavy, bright stars at 18. Rafinha has now taken just a few more years, I think six more years as a professional to become, I mean, I, I would say this was his first year being an actual star, right? Can I put that quotes around that, that he was an actual uh, to star? To be honest, for the first actually, he, 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 he became more well-known this season because he played for Brazil. There's no question about that. But I think his very best performances came last season when we were better as a team in general, to be fair. You know, I think he... I think he got even more output last season. I think six goals, nine assists, and he didn't even start his first game until mid-November. So he got easily 10 and 10, I think, last season. But yeah, and that's not to say he's dropping. The only reason his numbers dropped this season was because the team wasn't as good. And we had Patrick Bamford missing for long, large spells of the season. And he was playing like Lewandowski in that first season. Um, obviously, tongue-in-cheek, but he was much better in that first season. But yeah, that's very, very key. But the thing to mention as well, obviously the, the 25 thing is, is key to mention, but players develop at different speeds, you know, in terms of Mo Salah at 25, maybe a bit younger, but 24, 25, 
wasn't the player he is now. And Sadio Mane, and probably the greatest example of all, of all is probably David Villa, to be certainly honest with you. And so David Villa at 25 was only just kind of making his way in that Valencia team where he's becoming a real star. Um, and it almost feels a bit like a David Villa signing because he's someone who just gives you the goals, the assists and the versatility. He's not at David Villa's level, but his determination is can. Because David Beer improved massively, massively as a player when he went to Barcelona. He was still a superstar before he signed, but in terms of as the all-round package, he develops massively in positional play in terms of transitioning from being an out-and-out centre-forward to more of a left-sided forward or a right-sided forward. And that's kind of what Rafinha's going to have to learn. It's a totally different role to his role at Leeds United, but in terms of the physicality, the way he strikes the ball, yeah, I, I don't think there's any question he can, he can make that make that move. Um, for me and he can be someone who can deliver in the big moments and get double figures for goals double figures for assists which is ultimately what the ultimate ambition is well Oscar we were speaking for the entire show today about a 25 year old star arguably a superstar in the future in Rafinha but uh, I think you showed yourself in this hour to be a 25 year old star as well and where can people continue to to star watch if you will for your work elsewhere so you can find us on All These TV on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, it is literally All These TV. Uh, we do basically match reviews, match previews for Leeds United. Sometimes we'll talk about other teams as well. Um, and yeah, we just basically cover all things English football, really, but mainly with a Leeds United angle. So um, you can find us on All These TV. Recently hit the 25,000 sub marks, so we're very, very happy with that. The Premier League's been good for us. Um, Rafinha's been good for us in terms of the numbers he's brought to the channel. Unbelievable. I mean... It's a sad day for us because we've lost Marcelo Bielsa, we've lost Rafinha, and thinking our South American support is is <laughs> it's gone from like yeah it's lost massively. So it's uh, it's a blow in that sense. But we have gained a lot of American support, which is always nice as well. But you can find us on um, if you are of course an American watching this and you've got interest in the American America going into the World Cup, we'll be covering plenty of Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams, um, Jesse Marsh himself. Yeah, we will we'll cover all things on that as well. Yeah, well, uh, as we said, too, uh, welcome back to the Brazilian fans, hopefully, for, uh, for for Barcelona. It's been a little while. We've missed you, so welcome back to them as well. But, yeah, please follow Oscar down in his show notes below. Click on his name, follow that through for all that stuff. And, yeah, maybe you'll get an affinity to, to Leeds United. There are, there are easier ways, if you're a Barcelona fan, to get into the Premier League other than having to pick one of those, we'll say, Champions League rivals. But either way, we are on Twitter as well, at the Barcelona pod, at HiltonB13 for me, on Instagram at the same place. And you can join our closed Facebook group, answer the questions, I let you in, all that. Patreon is how we keep making these shows. You hear it without the ads. The longer the shows are, the more ads you have to hear. So there's a little incentive to support the show financially as well. And then we're also on YouTube. Not 25,000 just yet, just over 10,000 or so. But there's a lot of summer content continuing on. I'm excited to start working on the grades for the summer transfer window. And I can tell you that I'm probably going to be a pretty easy grader this offseason for Alemani and company. But we'll see what happens when the financial report comes out uh, in a year from now. But most importantly, though, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Support the Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.